You see, when other people want to lead rather than serve, you're going to have grumbling because they want to do it their way. You're going to have problems. You're going to have conflict. You're going to have gossip. You're going to have division. And I can't tell you how much the blessing is when you're in a position of leadership trusting the Lord when you share tasks that people willingly do those voluntarily, and they do it. Thanks for joining us for this Friday edition of Equipping the Saints, featuring the Bible teaching of Greg Lundstedt, pastor of Equipping Bible Church in Greer, South Carolina. And Greg, what's in your message today for us to learn from this portion of Scripture? Well, Dave, today we finish our look in Nehemiah chapter 3, and I believe if we pay attention, it'll be a great blessing. So turn with us to Nehemiah chapter 3. Well, thanks, Greg. And if you're new to Equipping the Saints, head over to our website, etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org to learn more about this ministry and our teacher, Pastor Greg Lundstedt. Our web address is simply etsradio.org. Now, with today's message, here's our teacher, Greg Lundstedt. In Nehemiah chapter 7, verse 4, it says here, Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few, and the houses were not built. Basically, it hadn't got a housing development there yet, okay? It hadn't been developed yet, in a sense. It says there was no housing there, but really, we're going to see there were some houses, but there are obviously very few, and they had to do with priests and people who are functioning in the context of Jerusalem. But notice, Nehemiah is very wise, and he has the people who have houses there repairing the walls near their houses, That's very wise. Take a look here at verse 23, Nehemiah 3. And after them, Benjamiah and Hashab carried out repairs in front of their what? Their house. And after them, Azariah, the son of Maasiah, the son of Ananiah, carried out repairs besides what? His house. Go down to verse 28. And above the horse gate, the priest carried out repairs, each in front of his house. And after them, Zadok, the son of Emory, carried out repairs in front of his house. And after him, Shehemiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate, carried out repairs. And after him, Hananiah, the son of Shehemiah, Hunan, the sixth son of Zalop, repaired another section. After him, Meshulam, the son of Barakai, carried out repairs in front of his quarters. So Nehemiah was quite wise here, having them repair in front of their houses. And obviously, you know, you have a vested interest if it's something that relates to you. You know, the wall was to keep out the bad guys. And I'm sure they do a good job because it's right at their house, right? It's right at their house. So we see wisdom in what Nehemiah did there too. Now, he was also wise in having, and I believe the leaders didn't step out just and do it on themselves, but I believe he directed them to do it. He was wise to have the religious leaders step out first. He had them step out first. Look back in chapter 3, verse 1 again. Chapter 3, verse 1. Then Elishib, the high priest, arose with his brothers, the priests, and built the sheep gate. And they consecrated it and hung its doors. They consecrated the wall and the tower of the hundred and the tower of Hanael. They arose right away. Remember it said, arise and build? They arose and they built. That's what that verse says. Then, Vav consecutive Hebrew, they arose and built. And they started with the gate. Now, obviously, they hung the doors later, but they built the gate. Now, what's the significance? The sheep gate, obviously, was important for the priests because that's where the sacrifices would come through. So, again, Nehemiah wisely has them do that, but he also has them, I believe, 
setting an example. The priest would have his priestly garments on probably out there building the gate, right? And the priests also. They weren't too high and lofty to not be part of the work. Now, it's an important principle. They began the work right away. They set the example. They got out and did it right away. Then they did it. Now, unfortunately, I have to mention this if you've read through the book. Later on in chapter 13, we're going to see that Elisha had some problems. He's working here and he's doing good, but he's obviously under Nehemiah's direction. He had some problems, and we'll see that in chapter 13. And folks, we see that in the context of ministry. You minister with those who are appearing to do the right thing with the right heart, and later on, you go, things are revealed that are not the way they should be. You see that. That's part of ministering. So, folks, Nehemiah is wise, and he organizes them, and they respond. You know, it's a burden when everybody in the car is telling you how to drive, right? It's a burden. When you get in a church where everybody wants to lead rather than serve, you're going to have problems. Here, Nehemiah is leading, and they are all serving. They are doing what he says, and they accomplish this task in 52 days. You see, when other people want to lead rather than serve, you're going to have grumbling because they want to do it their way. You're going to have problems. You're going to have conflict. You're going to have gossip. You're going to have division. And I can't tell you how much the blessing is when you're in a position of leadership trusting the Lord when you share tasks that people willingly do, those voluntarily, and they do it. Grumbling. What a blessing that is. No arguments, no mumbling. Oh, Nehemiah's micromanaging. No, there's no mumbling. Those arguments or whatever it might be. What a blessing. But what a burden it is when you don't have submissive servants. What a burden that is. So here, Nehemiah trusted the Lord. He exhibited great organizational skills from the Lord. And indeed, the people set out and did what he said. And they functioned the way he desired them to function. And it is recorded for us here in this chapter. So then, how can we work together? We need to be led together. We need to allow God's leaders to lead, and we need to follow with the right heart. That's what we see here. If they didn't, they'd be going, no, I want to work on the refuge gate. Well, no, I want to work on this gate. No, I want to work this part of the wall. Can you imagine? They wouldn't even start within 52 days if they had a committee to do this. They were led, and they just did it with the right heart. Okay, so with that in mind, this implies then that we need to get to work, right? How is it that we can work together, be led together? Well, we need to, first of all, be about biblical goals, biblical things, what God has called us to do for the purpose of his glory, by his strength. And we need to let the leaders in the body of Christ lead, and we need to follow and serve. And then we need to get to work. Remember back in chapter 2, verse 18, they said, let us arise and build. Notice what it says, chapter 2, verse 18. It says, then they said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. They did it. They were about it. And notice he says in chapter 3, verse 1, then Elisha, the high priest, arose with his brothers, the priest, and built the sheep gate. They did it. They rose and built. Folks, some of us need to get to work. There are things that God is calling you to do. There's things he's calling you to do with your family. There's things he's calling you to do in the body of Christ as each one has a special gift employed in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. There are things God is calling us to do in our relationships. We need to get about it. We need to get about the work. 
We need to be good stewards of the talents that God has given us, the giftings that he's given us. We're here to serve him. We need to get to work. So how, we who are so different, how can we work together for a common goal in the context of serving Christ? From Nehemiah's example, they had a common biblical goal. They understood the purpose, to glorify God. And as a parent, they believed God's good hand was upon them. They were trusting him. And they got to work as Nehemiah led them. Now at this point, I want to share some interesting observations from the rest of the chapter that can be helpful for us as we look at this. I want to share those. First of all, notice we've already seen this, but working together, they each went about their individual tasks. Working together, they each went about their individual tasks. Next to him, next to them, after them. They were working together, but they were doing their individual tasks. We can learn from this. I can learn from this. We can all learn from this, right? That's why we have it. I mentioned this already. Secondly, that the religious leaders set the example. They stepped out right away and they got to work. And then there's something quite interesting I noticed, and you probably noticed it when we're reading through, but all different kinds of people worked together. Let me share a little bit of this. I'm not share every part of it, but we see there's the high priest and the priests, verse 1. We see there are the Levites and priests who did other work. Look in verse 17, chapter 3. After him, the Levites carried out repairs under Rephim, the son of Bani. Look at verse 22. And after him, the priests, the men of the valley, carried out repairs. Priests and Levites doing stuff, right? Notice in verse 9, there are local leaders. Look back at verse 9. And next to them, Raph Ha'aya, the son of Hur, the official of the half-district of Jerusalem, made repairs. Now there's another one spoken of too, the half-district. He's an official. He's not too high and mighty for this. I'm the official of the half-district. I'm half the leader here. I'll just tell you guys what to do. No, he made repairs, right? He made repairs. And there were outside groups that came. Look at verse 5 of chapter 3. Moreover, next to him, the Tekoites made repairs. Now, these were from a city of Tekoa in Judah. They came over and they were working on it. They wanted to help. Notice there were also men from Gibeon and Mitzpah, verse 7. Next to them, Melatiah, the Gibeonite, and Jadon, the Maranothite, the men of Gibeon and of Mitzpah also made repairs for the official seat of the governor of the province beyond the river. Other people, right? Gibeonites, the men of Mitzpah. There were families that worked together. One instance, we see the sons of one gentleman working together. Look at verse 3. Now the sons of Hassan Aha uh, built the fish gate. They laid its beams and hung its doors with its bolts and bars. They're the sons of this guy, right? They're working together. And also we see another guy who probably didn't have any sons, but he had some daughters. Look at this. Verse 12. And next to him, Shalom, the son of Halahash, the official of the half-district of Jerusalem, made repairs, he and his daughters. Isn't that great? He's out there with his daughters. They're building. They're building together. And folks, we have different tradesmen. We have craftsmen. We don't have the merchant saying, I'm a merchant, I can't do this. Oh, I'm a goldsmith, I cannot repair rocks and walls. We don't see that. They took the instruction from Nehemiah and they went about with the right heart 
and did the work. Look at verse 8. Next to him, Uziel, the son of Harahiah, of the goldsmiths made repairs. That's the son. And next to him, Hananiah, one of the perfumers made repairs. That was probably the best smelling part of it, right? <laughs> right? And they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. And look at verse 29. After him, Shehemiah, the son of Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate. He's a security guard. Okay, he's there. And then look down at verse 31. We've got goldsmiths and merchants. And after Malchaha, one of the goldsmiths, carried out repairs as far as the house of the temple servants and of the merchants in front of the inspection gate, as far as the upper room of the corner, and between the upper room of the corner and the sheep gate, the goldsmiths and the merchants carried out repairs. Hey, they're out there doing it. And I forgot to mention, oh, I mentioned a little earlier, the ones doing the not-so-glamorous jobs. Verse 14, And Malachi, the son of Rechab, the official of the district of Beth Hakanerim, repaired the refuse gate. Now, obviously, that gate's where all the bad stuff, the, the dung and the trash and the dead bodies go out to there. That's the place that goes out that side. And it had been torn down and burned, so it's probably in very bad shape. He did that. So then there were religious leaders, priests, Levites, community leaders. There were groups of people, tradesmen, craftsmen, workers, all working together, yet separately, on the tasks that they were assigned. And God had given them a heart to do the work. When you have a heart to do the work, you're not arguing about your task. You're not arguing, well, I'm a perfumer. I really prefer to do the perfume right now. I'm a goldsmith. I'm not very good at lifting beams on a wall. Yes, we need to serve within our gifting, but there are things that we do in the body of Christ where we're serving one another. We're to consider how to estimate one another to love and good deeds. So then we see them. God had given them a heart to work, but there were some who were unwilling to work. Isn't that the case? You find that in every church. Those who are really unwilling to work. Look at verse 5. Moreover, next to him, the Tekoites made repairs, but their nobles did not support the work of their masters. Now, this is hard to translate. It's, you know, the, you know their nobles and the work of their masters. Is it, The nobles have masters? That doesn't make sense. Well, it's thought that that term masters is the term Lord, in a sense, and it's a plural of majesty. They didn't do the work of their Lord, you know. Elohim is plural, okay, but it means God. It's singular, okay? And so then, so that's what it's thought. But you could really translate it this way. But their nobles did not go to do the work of their Lord. That's what it says, okay? So there were some nobles. They didn't come to do the work because they were too noble, probably, right? Probably that. They were too noble to be servants out there. And folks, there are always people like this, that certain tasks are below them because they don't have the right heart. They're selfish at heart. They're unwilling to be like Christ, who humbled himself to the point of being obedient, to the point of death, becoming a servant, right? We're to have his mind, right? Consider others as more important than ourselves. They pretend to serve, but they prefer to be served rather than to serve. I remember a family in our church a while ago who made themselves out to be big servants, and yet they served their way and on their time. And I remember them calling us in, the elders, to have meetings with them to tell us that they're going to be retiring and getting a lot of money and this and that, and we came in and they're going to have lots of time to serve. So I thought, wow, praise the Lord. 
Well, that time came and we asked them to serve and they wouldn't do what we wanted them to do. We asked the wife if she could go to the nursery. She couldn't do it. She didn't have the time. The reality is people who don't have a right heart are unwilling to serve wherever the Lord wants them to be. May you or I never be like this. May we never see anything in the body of Christ as below us. We're in big trouble if we do. Jeremiah 48.10, Cursed is the one who does the Lord's work negligently. And that's even doing it negligently. That's not saying about not doing it, right? May we never be like this. May we do all work heartily unto the Lord. Even our everyday work, especially ministry. You see, whatever the Lord wants us to do, what he's leading us to do through the leaders, may we do it according to his word with the right heart. May we never be like the nobles who were too noble to do the work. Well, the nobles were a terrible group, but there were some in other places that did some more work. There's a couple of places, I'm not going to share all of them, but there are people in here that actually did double. Verse 5, the Tekoites again. Moreover, next to him the Tekoites made repairs. And then if you go to verse 27, it says, After him the Tekoites repaired another section. They were out working. There was this Binu guy, he repaired another section. This is in verse 24. After Binu, the son of Himu repaired another section. He did two sections. And you'll look in there and you'll see that, that some did more than one. And then notice, some did their work zealously. Verse 20, take a look at verse 20. After him, Baruch, the son of Zabai, zealously repaired another section from the angle to the doorway of the house of Elishab, the high priest. The term zealous means to burn. In a negative context, it speaks of anger and being hot in a sense, but in a positive context, it speaks of zealousness. Now, was this guy a zealot or a maverick out of control? No, I don't believe so, because it said they all had a heart to do the work. But he was zealous. And Nehemiah writes it down, and he shares it. This guy was zealous. He was zealous to do the work. He had a heart to do it, and he was zealous. He did what Nehemiah assigned, as we see here, and he was zealous. Now, folks, I think sometimes we are very hesitant to give people praise in a sense. And I understand that. We don't want the glory to go to man but to God. We understand that. But sometimes we need to recognize the people who are truly doing God's work in the context of trusting him, to encourage them and give God glory. Indeed, Nehemiah recognizes everyone here. And he's not putting plaques on the back of pews, but he's simply acknowledging what God is doing through these people, and this guy was more zealous than the rest. We can learn from this. Maybe our zeal for serving Christ has dampened as we grow older in the faith. Our love has grown cold. We should be excited and zealous about his work and serving him, no matter what it is from the smallest thing from our perspective to the largest thing from our perspective. We should be zealous to do it. Take a look at Romans chapter 16. The Apostle Paul has some words to say about some people. Romans chapter 16. And he names them by name. He shares it. Romans 16. I commend to you our sister Phoebe. Names it right out who is a servant of the church who is in Sinecrea, probably the words diacona, she was a deacon there, that you receive her in the Lord in a manner worthy of the saints. Now that's a deacon as a servant, not a leader, it's a servant only. Receive her in a manner worthy of the saints, 
that you help her in whatever matter she may have need of you, for she herself has also been a helper of many. You can see it. You can see it in her life. She's helped many, and of myself as well. Bring her in. Commend her. I commend her, help her, whatever she needs. She's a helper, and she's even helped me, right? Then what about verse 3? Greet Prisca and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ, who for my life risked their own necks. Okay, that's pretty clear. To whom not only do I give thanks, he's thanking them. God still gets the glory. You can thank someone and God still gets the glory, right? You know, when we have people that don't have the Spirit of God, they dissect every word that gets all out of balance. But the reality is here, Paul is thankful to God, but he gives them thanks. Verse 6, greet Mary, who has worked hard for you. She worked hard. Verse 7, greet Andronicus and Junus, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are outstanding among the apostles who were in Christ before me. Hey, they stood out even among the apostles. Pretty amazing. And I love these names. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, workers in the Lord. They're workers in the Lord. Greet Persius, the beloved, who has worked hard in the Lord. The reality is some people work harder than others. May we be those who, not for our own glory, but for God's glory, by his strength, work hard for him. What would God say about you? What would God say if he's going to say so-and-so, and and he gave a little statement like that? What would he say? Lazy, doesn't do much, doesn't care, willing, waiting, desiring, trusting, stepping out? What would he say? May we be like those that we see here, like Barak and the rest of those who are named here who are about God's work. So then, how can we who are so different work together? Well, the key is that we're all in Christ. And if we trust Christ, we rely on him, and then we obey his word for his glory in the proper manner with his leaders leading us, we're going to be able to do what he wants us to do for his glory. We'll see that. Are you willing? Are you willing to let the leaders lead? Are you willing to do whatever the Lord has for you, biblically speaking? Now, there's some of you that may not have a heart to work, and something's wrong. Or maybe you want to hold the steering wheel whatever it might be. Selfishness has gotten in the way. Just confess. Say, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do, however you want me to do it, in light of your word and your will. Maybe your pride is wanting you to steer rather than to serve. Maybe you don't know him. You know, these things are a symptom of not knowing the Lord. You need the Lord. Maybe he's exposing your sin today that you might turn to Jesus and trust in him and be saved. And for those of us who God has given us by his grace because we're his, a heart to work, we need to get to the good work. In our families, in our work, in the body of Christ, we need to get to the good work. 1 Corinthians 4.11, Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mystery of God. In this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. If you've just joined us, you've been listening to Equipping the Saints with Greg Lundstedt. You can hear today's message again by visiting our website, etsradio.org. That's 
etsradio.org. CDs of today's message or other messages are available at our website as well. And as a part of the Ministry of Equipping the Saints, all our audio resources are available at no cost to you, thanks to the Lord's provision through the faithful support of friends of this broadcast. To order your complimentary CD, call us toll-free 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to request your complimentary CD by email, our email address is contact at etsradio.org. Greg, as we close today's broadcast, how should we respond to what you've taught us in this message? Well, Dave, how can we who are so different work well together? Well, first of all, folks, we need to be about a biblical goal for God's glory. Then we need to serve him by his strength alone, and we need to allow our leaders within that to lead us. And lastly, we need to get to work together. So are you willing? Well, let's get to work. As we close today's broadcast, it's our prayer that the Word of God has done its work in your life and that you've been challenged and encouraged to follow Christ more closely. If you're receiving spiritual benefit from equipping the saints, would you prayerfully consider sending a gift today? Every gift makes a difference. No gift is too small, and every dollar is put right back into the ministry. To send a gift to Equipping the Saints, call us toll-free at 1-800-596-9144. That's 800-596-9144. If you prefer to donate online, our web address is etsradio.org. That's etsradio.org. Well, we hope you'll make plans to join us again next time, right here for another edition of Equipping the Saints. (laughs) 